Awesome. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace. Glad you guys are here. Um, uh, my name is Josiah. If you guys are checking us out for the first time this weekend, or if you're uh, back visiting us from uh, checking us out on Christmas, we're glad you guys are back. I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. I love this time of year. I love Christmas. I love being with family. Uh, and this was actually my first year being married at Christmas. So we got to spend and do our own uh, traditions as well as got to be with both sides of the family, uh, which was a blast. And one of my favorite things to do is play games, right? Whether like board games, card games, uh, sports games, whatever it is. Um, and some of you that do know me uh, know that I also can get very competitive as well. So uh, sometimes we, I, especially me, I get so into the game and I'm like, oh man, I have to win this game and whatever it is. It could be the silly, it could be Uno, okay? And like, no, you did not play that. You know, it's, it can get into, it can get a little bit ugly with my family. But, um, and uh, the funny thing is I, I tried to set myself up for success this year, okay? And what I did was I got my family this game it's called We Didn't Play Test This At All, okay? And now, already in the title, it sounds ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, okay? Some of you guys may have played this. I actually picked it up from our game night here that we have at, uh, at the church once a month. Uh, came to the game night, and they had this game here, and I was like, this is awesome. I love this. And I was like, got to have this one. Uh, but it's fantastic, okay? So it has, it, basically, your goal is to win, and you don't want to lose. But the thing is, it gets really ridiculous in how you can win or how you can lose. Okay, I took some pictures of some of the cards so you can see what, uh, the, what you end up doing with some of these. We can, I don't know if this guy's working, so if you want to go to the next guy. Um, but there's some of the cards that you, to win and to lose are just ridiculous. Okay, so one of the cards that they have is just, just straight up, you lose. Uh, it's right there. It says, if you play this card, you lose. No, really. You lose, right? And sometimes they have funny, funny taglines there at the end. But this is just one of the cards. It's like, oh, okay, right? And so the next card, if you want to go to the next slide, uh, there's ones where it's like, hey, you know what? Group hug. Everybody still in the game wins. Yay, right? Who doesn't like a card like that, right? Everybody wins, right? And then, then you have really weird cards. If you want to go to the last one, it's just like it doesn't even make sense. Poke another player, then give them this card. Take another turn. Right, so randomly in a game, you see someone just poke someone, and they're like, what's going on, right? You just all these ridiculous cards, and the, the thing is, you really can't get competitive with this and get mad at, like, what some of these cards are, because you're like, you know what? This is just a bunch of fun, right? So I got this for my family this year uh, to just to, to, be, to be fun with, and we played it, and it was a blast. We didn't really get into any crazy arguments or something like that, but I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. It really has anything to do with anything other than the fact that I had an awesome Christmas, uh, and I love that game. No, I didn't get paid to give them a promotion or anything. But I wish I did, because that would have been cool. But, uh, but yeah, so we're glad you're here. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. I definitely did. Um, today is going to be a little bit different, because last week we had our Christmas series. We wrapped that up, um, and we were talking about this idea about peace on earth, right? In this time of year, uh, and in our culture today, and what's going on in, uh, in our culture, it really doesn't seem like peace has come, right? We kind of said it was a question mark. Like, we, we have all these things where it's like shopping and going and seeing all these different family members, or whether it's just what's going on politically and all these different stuff in the government. It's like, it doesn't seem like there's peace. But that's what we celebrate around Christmas. We're like, hey, you know what? Peace has come. And so what we did is we looked at different ways that we try to find peace. But ultimately, those things don't satisfy us. I think we said like relationships, religion even. Uh, we talked about you try and find peace through power uh, or even uh, just looking for truth. We looked at different characters around the Christmas story that did those different ways to try and find peace. And ultimately, we said uh, that Jesus is the only way to find peace. 
And that's where we concluded last week. And then this next week, so next week, um, we're actually going to start a new series on Daniel, which I'm super excited. We've been playing this for a little bit. Um, right, it's Conviction and Compromise. And in that culture, right, there was a bunch of really cool stories about how Daniel and his friends um, didn't compromise what they believed, right, and how we too today can stay true to what we believe in, right, and how we can be in a culture that uh, tells us to do otherwise. So we're going to dig into that uh, next week, so I invite you guys to come on back, check that out with us. It's going to be pretty cool and uh, some good stuff we're going to dig into. Uh, and that leaves us with today, right, what we're going to launch into today, right, at this time of year where we uh, they tend to look back in this past year and say, hey, you know what? What have I gone through? What have I learned? Did I really keep my last New Year's resolution? Probably not. I stopped that like 10 months ago. Um, or you look into the future, right? And you're like, hey, you know what? What am I going to try and do this year? What's, what's going to be the next uh, thing to do, right? Whether you're excited for new starts uh, or even maybe a little bit fearful as far as uh, something that has happened, right? And even into the past, we look at, hey, how far have I come? Like, what have I learned uh, which is actually kind of cool. I was, I was reflecting on what I've learned and been through the past year. I think it's almost a year uh, to the day that um, I was up here for the first time and talked to, like, normal people. And uh, most of you are normal. Like, my family's here, so definitely not normal. I mean adults, right? Usually I get to work with students um, in our small group. So I get to work with our students, and I'm with them all the time, and they're definitely not normal. If you are a student or if you have a student, you know that for sure. And that's why I like being with them all the time. You guys are a little bit boring. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, they're definitely they're, they're a blast, and I love hanging out with students. But that was the first time that uh, I got to come up here and talk. Excuse me. Um, so that was about a year ago, and it's cool to look back and see how far God's brought me, how much I've learned, who I've talked to and who I've gotten to know here. It's been awesome to get to get to know so many of you uh, and to get, be poured into and to try and pour into other people and so many of our students here. Um, it's crazy just to see how far um, God's brought me in a year. Uh, but there's also plenty of other things that have happened this year as well, whether that's politically uh, with the things that happened with the government, um, but also even uh, with natural disasters and things along those lines. Um, uh, lots of sad, crazy things. But there's also some plenty more important things that I'm pretty sure you guys remember happening as well. I'm just going to list a few, see if you guys remember some of these. First, the Patriots won the Super Bowl, fair and square. Did anyone actually watch the Super Bowl? I totally forgot what that, when that was. I was like, that happened this year? Is that right? I had to double check like three different sites because I wasn't sure. So the Patriots won fair and square too. That was kind of cool. Um, also, so that like the 60th Fast and Furious movie came out. Really, it was like the eighth, but they're like so close to 10. Might as well just make two more, right? So I'm almost there. Also, Apple. Does anyone want like an Apple phone, Apple products, things like that? A lot of us, I definitely do. They actually became the first company to be worth more than $800 billion this past year. That's an expensive piece of fruit for sure. Also, Facebook. So Mark Zuckerberg, the guy who owns Facebook, he said that they just reached um, 2 billion monthly users this past year, which is like, dang, that's a lot of people. Anyone still using Facebook? Probably a lot of us in here for sure. Or even Amazon, another thing, another big company that we know. Uh, the guy that found that, Jeff Bezos, he became the world's most richest man for like half a day, okay, like $91.4 billion. He overtook Bill Gates for like half a day and then then he kind of went back. But hey, that was kind of cool. He was the world's richest man for half a day. Um, also, we had our, that solar eclipse. Did anyone get to see the solar eclipse? Kind of a little disappointing, maybe. I mean, I tried to do the whole, like, I had two polarized sunglasses, so I was, like, trying to line them up and so I could stare at it and see it. And it was just kind of like, 
it's still bright. I don't get it. And then I think my wife even tried to do like that like cereal box thing where you like look in it and like see the reflection thing. I, I, we can at least say that we were, we were around to see it, right? Um, and finally, the world's longest rainbow was recorded. And at first when I read that, I was like, wait, how do you measure how long a rainbow is? Like, can they find the end? Is that a thing? They actually meant time. So like how long it's been in the sky. I was a little disappointed when I found that out. But still, almost nine hours of a rainbow, which is kind of cool. Nine hours. And you're like, well, what? How, are the people sitting around just timing every rainbow? Oh, there it goes. And they're just like waiting for it to end. I don't know. But nine hours is kind of cool. So all joking aside, right, some really important things happen. Um, but in all seriousness, everyone that's walked into this room has a past. Right? Everyone has had something that's happened, whether this past year uh, or something in your past a little bit further. Um, that's shaped you. That's who you are, right? Um, but these, and some, a lot of them are challenges, right? Uh, things that you've come upon that are challenging to get around. Things that shape who you are, right? They could be good things. They could, and most likely are, sometimes tough things. And with these challenges, you can't help what those challenges are and what happens to you. And maybe you're still going through that today. But what you can control is how you respond to those couple, I think it was almost a couple months ago now, we had our middle school in-town retreat, which was awesome. Uh, it was a blast. We had several of our volunteers uh, go, and what we do is we stay together over the weekend, and then we get together with the rest of the students of, of Grace Church campuses. And we had like 200, 300 kids all together for the weekend, uh, just hanging out, getting together, playing games, but then also discussing and diving into the truth of God's word. It was an awesome time, not only for our students to build relationships with each other, but also for our volunteers to build relationships with the students as well. And one of the stories we talked about uh, in, in that weekend was the story of David and Goliath, which most of you probably know this story, um, but it's where there's Goliath, who's this giant like warrior guy, right? He's going to duel David, who's this scrawny little guy uh, with a sling, right? And what ends up happening is David wins, right? He just was like an underdog upset kind of thing. And so the theme that we dug into that weekend was that we all face giants in our lives. We all have challenges right, that shape who we are. And so one of the other conclusions that we came to was that it's not about how many of those giants we come into contact with or what those giants are per se that we run into, because that's going to be different for all of us, right? Whether that's, whether that's depression, whether that's addiction, whether that's family problems, whatever it is, we all have different giants and a different amount of giants that we run into. But we said it's not about how many or what we face, but it's how we decide to respond to them, right? And it was really cool to see our, a lot of our students just latch onto this and run away with it. Um, so it was really cool. So I wanted to show you that concept, that way to look at it, like David, Goliath kind of sense, uh, and giants. And so what I want to do is kind of talk about this concept, right? These challenges, these giants in our past or right now in our future that we're struggling with. Um, and what we can do and how we can react to these uh, to move on into our future as we look into this next year. And what I want to do is I take the time to dig into a character in the Bible to look at this, to compare, see how he does things, uh, to then see how we can do that in our life today. So we're going to do it a little bit different. His name is Peter. Okay, so imagine with me that here we're on a timeline all the way across, so left to right for you guys. Uh, so right here is the death and then resurrection of Jesus. And then here in the past, we're going to look at how Peter reacted in the past before the death and resurrection, and then see how he attacked this giant, what he did, and how he got across this challenge, uh, and how that impacted his future with life, with Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. Okay, so we're going to kind of take that stance a little bit. Okay, so 
Before we hop into that passage, though, I want to uh, give us a little bit more information about Peter so we know who he is uh, before we hop into that passage, right? Okay, so before Peter was a, um, a follower of Jesus, right, before he became uh, one of Jesus' first disciples, he was a fisherman, okay? So this wasn't the, like, reel in and, like, like we have today sitting on the bank, right? These guys were probably some serious, they did this as their job. So not only did they have to be really good at sailing, right, on the waters, they also had to be able to haul in these huge nets of fish, right? It wasn't just reel in. It was like you had to whip in these nets, right? They were, they were probably pretty burly people that were pretty strong, pretty, like, hardcore people. Um, and we know Peter was kind of a bold person, right, ready to go out there, even if it was pretty cold out uh, or if it was pretty dangerous out on the waters because it was their job, right? So Peter was a fisherman right, before he came uh, to be a disciple for Jesus. And when Jesus did call him, he actually renamed him. Right? This is kind of interesting. Um, it's something we're going we're gonna to bring back here a couple of times. Jesus renamed him to Peter. Right? His name was actually Simon before. He got renamed to Cephas, right? which is the Aramaic term for, for Peter. Right? And basically his name means rock, which is kind of cool. Um, but if you look at it a little bit closer, specifically the Aramaic name, it means a mass of rock detached from the living rock. So at first glance, we're kind of like, well, okay, cool. My name means love of a butterfly in, in, in Greek. And so to us today, it doesn't quite mean as much for the meanings of names. But back then, it was a really big deal, especially when someone renamed you, okay? So actually, we're going to put a pin in that there as far as what that exactly means for Peter. But I want you to remember this for now, that Jesus is basically making him a promise. Right? He's calling him a rock, naming him something after that's said fast, strong, dependable, okay? So that's what he's naming him, right? So he renames him and calls him to be his disciple, okay? Now, a disciple, basic term of that, it's just someone that follows the teachings and the life of another person. Usually you had a master uh, or a teacher that you followed, right? And Jesus actually had several hundred disciples, right, when he was here on earth, um, and then that people that would follow him. And then he actually had that core 12 of disciples, right, uh, that followed him pretty much everywhere. And then he had even closer than that, he had a core three. And one of those three was Peter. It was Peter, James, and John. So Peter was not only one of the first disciples, but he was also one of the closest with Jesus, okay? So I want you guys to have all this in mind as we jump into this story today, okay? So we're going to hop into this story that starts looking at this event in the past that I kind of can consider a giant for Peter, right? It was a challenge for him to move on. So go ahead and open to Matthew 26. If you guys have your Bibles on you, there's some in the back if you guys want to grab one of those. Or you could use our awesome new little app and flip open to that. I would not be offended if you got your phone out and downloaded that real fast while you're on the Wi-Fi. That's totally cool. You can use that uh, as well. So as you guys head on over there, I want to give you guys a little bit of context um, of what we're going to look at. We're actually going to start with the predicted denial of, of Jesus by Peter. So we're going to look at the actual denial uh, that Peter goes through. But we want to start with the prediction of the denial. So that's going to be back in verse 31 of chapter uh, 36. Is that where we're at? Yeah, 26. Um, so as you turn there, let me give you a little bit of context as what, what's going on, okay? So this is at the end of Jesus' life, okay? He's about to go be crucified, and they just are going, they just had the last 
Supper, right, which is uh, within this upper room, right, Jesus talks about, hey, there's this bread, this is my body, which is broken for you. Here's the cup, this is my blood, which is poured out for you, right? And then he, he gives them an example, right, he washes their feet, he says, hey, just as I'm serving you, like you serve each other, but also this is what I, what I came to do, right? So he, he, they're going through this emotional experience together, right, this last supper. And then from there, they go to the Mount of Olives, and this is where we have this conversation. Okay, so Matthew 26, starting in verse 31, let's look at it. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. See, this is where we already see Peter's boldness, right? Starting to come into, into, into picture here, right? You can kind of see the pride or hear the pride in his voice. Like, you called me rock. Like, these guys might fall away, but I'm not going to fall away, right? I'm steadfast, right? Let's look at Jesus' reply. He says, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same, right? So as we're looking at this, we already see Peter being like, no, no, this is not going to happen, right? He's like, get a little bit cocky, right? Thinking that Jesus is telling the truth. He's like, wait, there's no way. You just called me, and you said I'm going to be a rock. Like, I'm going to be steadfast, right? He's a little bit bold of a personality. And instead of just saying, no, silly Peter, you're still going to scatter, he goes a little bit further, and he adds on, you're actually going to deny me three times, it's one thing to just run away. It's another thing to openly deny Jesus and the fact that he was following him. Like that whole pride before a fall thing was kind of hitting him pretty hard at this point. So you can imagine all of them pretty fired up that Jesus just said they're, you know, they had this emotional experience together, washing each other's feet, or he was washing their feet, um, and then he just said, hey, you guys are going to desert me. They're like, what? No, wait, no, we, we can prove it. We're going we're to follow you to your death, right? You can imagine Peter getting fired up that he's got to prove himself. He's like, I am this rock that's steadfast. Like, that's who you said I was going to be, right? I mean, that's how I would feel if it was like, hey, you know, you got to prove yourself. Well, hey, that's kind of who I am. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little more of a people pleaser, right? I want to work hard and show people that I'm a work, hard worker. Before I got hired here at Grace, actually, um, I did the normal interview process with Jeff, right? So went out to meet him, um, and we were talking over, I think uh, it was lunch, something like that, and uh, got to talking, trying to find, you know, relatable topics, see if I would, you know, mesh well and do well for this job and work well with him. And... Um, he, I was like, oh, you know, I, I really like to be active. I like to play sports, things like that. I'm, I'm pretty fit. And he was like, oh, yeah? Like, well, I, I like to do CrossFit. Maybe you guys know Jeff, huge CrossFit guy. And so he's like, yeah, you know, I do CrossFit, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, you know, I like to be active. And he's like, hey, you know what? Why don't you come work out with us tomorrow? I'm like, whoa. You know what? Yeah. You know, this is a great opportunity for me to go and, like, prove myself and be like, hey, you know what? I am a hard worker. I consider myself pretty fit. I was like, I'd be okay. I haven't done CrossFit before. You know, it, it's, I've heard it's crazy, but I think I can do this, or at least go show that I'm a hard worker, right? And so, you know, sure enough, the next day, it's like 95 degrees out, and I'm like, you know, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to work hard. Uh, I'm going to do my best. You know, it'll, it'll be fine. I'll at least maybe earn me some brownie points, something like that, but I'm going to try and prove myself here. And um, so I get there, and he tries to explain all these different uh, 
movements that we were doing, because half of them I had never done before. It's more than just like pull-ups and push-ups. You have this like barbell thing, and you're like doing all these crazy stuff. I don't know if, if who's heard of and done CrossFit before, but there's this thing called the sled, okay? And this thing, it just has a ton of weight on it, right? They just put all these pile of weight on it, and your goal is to push this huge thing, okay? And it's not like it's on like anything easy to push. Usually you're just trying to heft this thing really far just by pushing it. The goal with that, you have to like sprint while you're pushing this heavy weight. The thing is if you slow down at all, the sled immediately stops. So you're like sprinting while trying to push this heavy weight. It immediately is just, just no good. Apparently it's like one of the worst workout things to do. It was terrible. Um, so that was in the future. I was like, oh, great. I'm going to have to get to do that guy. So we're going to do all these different things. And right before we started, he's like, oh, also, it's a, it's a partner wad. I'm like, what? A partner wad? It's partner workout. So we get to do it with another partner, right? So sometimes that meant you get to split up the amount of reps you guys had to do. So if there's like 30 push-ups, it's like, okay, as long as you both get 30 push-ups together. So one guy could do 20, the other guy could do 10, if that's all he could do. Or, and I think in this case, it was you couldn't move on to the next exercise until both of you completed it, the one exercise. So it's like, oh, you couldn't go to push-ups until you get all your sit-ups done. So if the one guy's going really slow, you got to wait, encourage your partner, stuff like that. So guess who my partner was? Jeff. Yep, exactly. So I'm like, oh, great. All right. Well, I guess I'll just, you know, work really hard, prove myself. This will be great. This is a good opportunity. I'm going to show him. Maybe I'll beat him. I don't know. So... Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So I get going, and it's like David against Goliath. Really, is really what it was. But uh, either way, so we get going, and I was it was doing great, working hard, um, and uh, yeah, definitely threw up <laughs> three times. Once in his garage, kind of felt a little bad, but I hit the drain, so that was good. And then I went outside, and I think I puked another two times in the yard. Um, I might have blacked out in there, so it could have been more. Uh, but yeah, I proved myself, right? So I worked really hard, I tried, um, and now you know this embarrassing story about me and getting hired. Um, but whether or not Peter had to go through an interview, uh, he definitely felt this need to prove himself, right? He felt like, hey, you know what? I gotta prove my name as a rock, right? And actually, and we don't know exactly all that's going through his head, I think he tries to do this uh, a little bit later, okay? Um, so you guys can either stay here in uh, Matthew 26, because we're gonna come right back, um, but we're going to flip over to John 18, and then I want to tell you guys a little bit more what's happened uh, before John 18, okay? So as you guys are either going there or staying in Matthew 26, so after their interaction on the Mount of Olives, right, so he t has this whole talk with them, stuff like that, they go into the Garden of Gethsemane, all right? And they've been there a couple times. Jesus likes to go there with his disciples to pray, things like that. And that's what actually he goes to do this time, is he goes to pray, and which makes sense. He's actually in a lot of turmoil at this time because he's about to go be crucified, which is a huge deal, and it would make sense that he's in such turmoil at this point. Um, and so he, he tells his disciples, hey, keep watch, and then he takes his core three a little bit further, and he says, hey, you guys, you know, talks with them, prays with them, and then he goes a little bit further by himself and prays by himself. And it's at this time that Judas, right, the betrayer, brings in uh, the group to bring in Jesus, right? So Judas was the, the one disciple that would betray Jesus, and he left uh, right at the end of the supper, to go get this whole battalion and commander and these high priest people, let them know where Jesus was. And he figured he was in the garden because that's where they went all the time. So Judas is bringing in this huge group of people to go arrest Jesus. And this is where our passage picks up and where we see Peter pull a Peter. Okay, so John 18 and verse 10. 
Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. That'll fix things. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. We don't know exactly what Peter was thinking there, but it seems like he tries to take things into his own hands, right? He tries to show Jesus and prove himself maybe a little bit. Uh, It's kind of impressive really to see him try and take on this whole group of guys with probably swords and clubs and things like that. They knew what they were doing. Peter's like, no, I got this guys. Hold on. Jesus, watch me. I got you now. And yeah, it's kind of impressive or stupid. I don't know where the line is there, but um, it's one of those two. But yet again, Jesus still rebukes Peter's efforts, right? Peter didn't really understand what was going on. We'll give him that. But he still turned to his own means. Peter had his own plan in mind, and he tried to implement it on his own strength. And so honestly, guys, as I was looking at that this week and reading into this passage, I couldn't help but see myself there and how, ask myself, how many times have I done that? Tried on my own strength or done my own plan because I'm like, you know, like, you know what, God needs help, or hey, you know what, well, he's not doing anything, so let me go and do this. Or, or maybe we've had our own giant or problem or challenge in front of us that we're like, you know what, I can do this myself, right? Like, let me try and take on this guy myself. Let me take on this challenge. Uh, whatever it is that's in front of you, we try and conquer it alone. I know I've done this countless times, uh, and maybe that's some of your story. Or maybe even on the other hand, we try and strike out and hurt people that don't believe the same things we do as Christians, whether we're like, hey, you know what, atheists, all they're, and we strike out at them to hurt them or to bring them down, right, or to tear them down, or people that just don't agree with us, right? Maybe that's how we lash out. Well, it's one thing to stand up for the truth. Perhaps Jesus doesn't want us to be on the attack, per se. As I was preparing for this weekend, someone shared this quote with me by Charles Spurgeon, and we'll throw it up on the screen, and uh, here's what it says. It says, the word of God is like a lion, You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. Love that imagery. I grew up um, reading the uh, Chronicles of Narnia and they have that imagery of the lion in there and just such an amazing story about how God is a lot like a lion and uh, just what that looks like. But so often we try and cage this lion when really it can defend itself better than we can. We don't need to attack people Uh, We don't need to attack a situation sometimes. We need to let God handle it because he's in control in the first place. So I know we're not at the end of the story, but I want to give you guys this point now. Uh, So if you're taking notes, you can either use the back of your program. There's a blank spot back there. Um, But here's kind of the point I want you guys to, to to write down or to have for the first part tonight. First is God doesn't want us to learn to rely on ourselves. God wants us to learn to rely on him. It's not about trying to be independent, which at first sounds a little bit different. It might sound a little bit weird because our culture is telling us, hey, no, be you, be independent, right? Be strong, be who you are. When really that's not the best route, not what God wants us to do, right? This goes for our challenges. This goes for our giants, right? Instead of tackling those alone, we need to learn to rely on God. Maybe that's sometimes why he gives us those giants, Right? So maybe if that's where you're at, whether you're, you're trying to tackle a giant or a challenge in your life, maybe instead of trying to take your giant out by yourself, let God be your David to slay that giant. So just as Peter resorted to his own means and his own strength, right, we too try to rely on ourselves and take things into our own hands. 
Um, his plan in that moment, right, when Peter tried to stop him, was to go and save the world, which is the biggest event ever to happen in history. Peter didn't realize he was trying to stop that biggest event in history. Maybe there's something in your life that you're trying to stop or trying to do that God's actually trying to reveal or to do in your life. That's a big event in your life. So whether that's, that's something you're going through now or something you'll go through in the future, remember God doesn't want us to learn to rely on ourselves. He wants you to learn uh, to rely on him. Right? It's not about being independent. Okay, so let's continue with our story uh, with Peter's denial. So over in verse uh, 69 of chapter 26 for Matthew, um, if you're still in that chapter, it'd probably just be a page over. Um, or if you were in John, you can flip on back. Matthew 26, starting in verse 69, let's look at it. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with the Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So there it is. There's this bold, determined Peter almost to his detriment sometimes, becomes exactly what he wasn't supposed to be. He becomes weak instead of strong, becomes cowardly instead of brave, foundationless instead of foundational. He finds himself at this all-time low. He not only denied the person he'd been following, but he curses and swears and kind of realizes what he's done and then weeps about it. So in looking at Peter's past life with Christ on earth, so if we're here on Christ's death and resurrection, we're looking back, we see him fail, right? He tried to implement his own ideas and plan, uh, relied on himself, and eventually found himself at an all-time low. That may be where you're at at this, this end of the year. Looking back, we can all see some kind of darkness, right? Whether that's with uh, struggling relationships, loss of family, um, some kind of addiction, job insecurity, whatever it is, and you fill in the blank. There's something that we have in our past that we're struggling with, a giant, a challenge, if you will. But here's what I want to get us, what us to get from today. God is far more interested in your today or future than your yesterday or past. God's far more interested in your today or future than your yesterday or your past. And we're not quite at the end of the story yet, but just as Peter made mistakes in the past, we've also made stupid decisions. Right? God doesn't hold grudges. He forgives. Right? We aren't to let this darkness in our past define our future. Remember, it's not about what challenges and what giants you face. It's how you respond to those. It's how you get past those things and move on and act differently from them. Paul encourages us in Philippians three thirteen through 14 with this. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that's what Peter did. He strove forward, right? And we'll, we'll finish that here in a second, but 
I want you guys to ask yourself, what is your future defined by? Your past or God's plan? The cool thing is, that's not the end of Peter's story. And we don't have our end of the story yet either. That was in his past, right? He denied the savior of the world. But that's not what his future held either. So let's look at it, what happens in this future and how he decides to deal with that. So let's flip over to John 21. We're going to look at this next event in Peter's life. So after Jesus died, he appears to his followers a couple of times. Um, And two of those times, he appears, all the disciples are together, right? They're in this locked room trying to hide away, right, from the Jewish leaders. And Jesus just died. He was rose from the dead. They're like, what's going on? We don't know. We got to find what's up. Um, So they're trying to hide and stay safe, right? After that, Jesus appears to his disciples again. But this time, they're they're actually going fishing, right? Peter uh, was like, hey, you know what, guys? I'm going fishing, right? They're probably confused, trying to stay on the down low. Like, hey, you know what? We're just going to stay with what we know just fishing, right? That's what they did before they were disciples of Jesus. That's what they knew. So that's what they went and did. And he took probably about six other disciples with him um, to go fishing with him. They're just like, you know what? Fine, we'll all go. And so they were out, they're out fishing all night, don't really catch anything. Um, and then there's this guy on the beach the next morning. He's like, hey, try the other side of the boat. Because they didn't think to do that all night. Yeah, that's what the problem was. No, they, they, they probably have been doing that all night. They knew what they were doing. They're like, okay, well, fine. We'll just try the other side. And immediately, all this fish starts coming in the net, and they can't pull it in. Now remember, at first I glossed over that before. I've heard this story. I'm glossed over it. and be like, oh, cool, they can't pull it in. Remember, there's like seven of them. And these guys are probably big, burly fishermen that are probably all stronger than Jeff. Almost stronger, maybe, because they didn't have CrossFit. But there's these big, burly guys trying to pull in, and they can't pull it in the boat, right? And there's a bunch of them, right? So... They automatically, you know, this is a miracle, the fact that this is happening. And they're like, whoa, why? Oh, wait, that's Jesus, right? And they realize that that's Jesus. So Peter dives off the boat, swims to shore, and the guys eventually bring in the fish. They end up eating breakfast with Jesus there on the, the shore. And then after that, Peter talks to Jesus. And that's where our passage is, okay? John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So as far as we know, that could have been probably one of the first times that Peter actually got to talk to Jesus since his denial. So you can imagine all that's going through his head, like, what is he going to say? What does he think of me now? Like, I don't know, what what is he going to do? Is he going to reject me? Like, what's going on? I don't know. Jesus could have said, how could you? Like, you could have openly denied him, or he could have rejected him. That's not what he does, right? He asks, do you love me? Not once, but three times. Possibly lining up with his three denials. Even the one time he asked, hey, do you love me more than these guys? Like that one time where you said, hey, even if these guys fall away, I'll stand firm. Could have been referring to his proud outburst before. But ultimately, Jesus kind of reinstates him, right, into what he promised him to be. When he met him, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And you're going to be a strong foundation for me. And even now he says, hey, 
Go teach my people, right? Go teach people about me. Like, that's what I want you to do. So Jesus still wanted to use Peter, even though he deserted him and denied him. Cool thing is, God still uses Peter's today. That's why I'm standing up here. You guys remember what Peter's name meant? It's rock, right? And if we look at the, the other meaning, right, it was a massive rock detached from the living rock. One of the commentators that I was reading about this said this, that living rock is Jesus, right? He's the one true rock that Jesus wanted him to find his reliance and his strength from Jesus, not on his own. So yes, Peter would become a foundation uh, in the early church. He would be a helpful person to spread the gospel, but Jesus would be the one the church would be built upon, and Peter would just be a pillar of the church. He'd be an important guy, yes, but his strength came from Jesus, and that's what he was calling him to, right? He was calling him and talking about, hey, yeah, you're going to have some future strength and endurance, but that's all because of me, right? You're going to be coming, and you're going to get your strength from me. So despite Peter's past failures, Jesus helps him move on from that giant and that challenge he had in his life. He didn't let his past failures define him. Because the cool thing is, if you guys have read and looked through Acts, Peter becomes one of the biggest moving disciples of that time, right? He, he has this awesome sermon, this moves a lots of people, and he's so foundational to that early church time. He becomes that, right? He becomes this foundational strong person that was once denying Jesus. So I want to end with this main point, um, and we're getting close, and I want to end with this one point um, before we close out tonight that I think we can learn from Peter. It's that God uses imperfect people. So no matter what's happened in your past, whether that's this past year or before, Jesus still wants to use you. Right? This goes for those who believe in Jesus and those who are maybe not sure if they want to follow him yet. Right? For those that, that do believe in Jesus, sometimes we still make bad decisions. Right? We will make bad decisions and stupid choices. But that doesn't mean God's ever done with us. Right? He wants to continue to use us. And that could be for, for even those of you that, you know, I'm not sure if I want to follow Jesus yet. That's okay. We're glad you're here checking this out. But I don't want you to believe the myth that you have a sin that's just too big to be forgiven. That's not a thing. Right? Jesus will cover anything that you've done in your past. His forgiveness is that big and his love is that big, which is so cool. He wants us to rely on him because we are imperfect right? because he has our best interest in mind. And without him, we can't really defeat our giants in the first place. He's interested in your future because he wants to take your mess and make it something beautiful, whatever that may be. No matter how your year's, year's ending, whether that's you're looking forward to this next year or you have something dragging you down from the past, don't let your past define your next year, but strive forward right, for that prize, forgetting what's past and shooting for what God has for you here in the future. I want to leave you guys with this uh, before the band comes up and we wrap up with uh, a couple more songs. I want to ask you guys some serious questions. It's really just one, but kind of leads into the next few. What if God has a plan for your life? Would you be willing to align your life with that plan? Even if that means you have to give up your own comfort and desires and your own idea of what you think your life should be and allow God to direct your life hard question, something I've wrestled with all the time. But I think that's where God wants us to go and see, realize how much we need to rely on him no matter what we decide to do. All right, let me pray.